We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. This episode is brought to you by John Cat Educational, a professional development publisher serving as the global leader in combining both research and practice in all materials. Find timely PD publications to support yourself and your faculty by visiting them online at us.johncatbookshop.com. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am excited to have Dr. Eric Stevens on the podcast today. Uh, Eric did some amazing uh, dissertation research that we talked about on the other podcast I do called Cybertrap. So definitely go check that out. That's at cybertraps.com slash seven. And you can check out that episode there. Uh, we talk a lot about his research and how he used it and and how he didn't actually answer any questions in his dissertation. So there's good stuff there. Definitely go and check that out. That's at cybertraps.com. But I want to have him on the on this podcast today to talk about uh, job transitions and how Higher Higher Ed is the organization that he's created. Did I say that right? Is it an organization mm-hmm. or is it just a philosophy? Okay, it is an organization. All right. So welcome, Eric, to Transformative Principle. Hey, Jethro. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here again. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. So tell us about higher higher ed and what what that means. I guess I'll have to just kind of start with with my story, like who I am and, and that kind of thing, because it kind of all stems from that and the situation that I was in. Um or not, or you know, I can just give you the little little uh two-liner and then we can talk about it from there too. So higher higher ed is an initiative that I started this past summer um in 2020 because I was I had been laid off from my university job. And I was looking to transition into a new career, found it very difficult. 
and figured it was difficult for other people as well. And so I started this initiative, uh, which has turned into an organization. It's been a lot of fun doing that, where I I host free panels where I invite people to come and talk about their experiences of transitioning from education into industry. And it's been a lot of fun being able to do that because then it worked out for me on on my end. I, I ended up getting a job, which was which was the goal. Um, where I'm now a, a business data analyst at an ed tech company. It's been a lot of fun going through that transition. And I, I just have kept it going because the core principle that I had going into this was that each of us in during a pandemic, we have an ethical obligation to help other people find work. And so I, I that was kind of like the, the way that I started this out was, that we actually have um, an ethical obligation to connect with people. And I, I didn't want to be a hypocrite once I got it, a jo- got a job. And so I, 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 I feel compelled. I, I want to keep doing it. So let's talk a little bit about the challenges that you face going from education to industry where metrics are different, the way you're valued is different. So much of it is different than being in education where much of education is really a mission vision oriented type of position where you you have this vision of helping people and that's what you do. And when you go into industry, you have to start thinking a little bit differently because yeah, businesses want to help people, but they also have a bottom line. And in education, we honestly, we don't think much about that. (laughs) So what are some of the challenges that people face going from education to uh, industry? And I I think your question honestly kind of touched on a little bit, right? Is that like the the first half that in education, we're, we're, we're all about helping people, but in in business, it's all about the bottom line. And I think that one of the things that COVID has shown us is how much of a bottom line education has. Um, and those who have not been paying attention to that bottom line are the ones that are most surprised when they're getting laid off. And so like, I think it's really important to understand that as unique as higher education claims to be as an institution, um, it is just another industry. It's just another sector that has a bottom line. And COVID has shown us that that's relevant. And I think that's one of the things that people have had to come over, that I've had to come over myself. Um, I think that there's this, there's a prejudice that is that exists for good or for worse or um, however it came to be, but it's there that people who are in industry don't really get what happens in academia. Um, and academics don't really get what happens in the industry. There's this this lack of communication that happens. And the thing that I've tried to do with higher higher ed is build a bridge between those two things, um, between those and 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 rather than coming from a place of, listen, this is what the other side needs to be doing. Um, it needs to come from what you yourself can control. I I cannot control how the job market functions. What I can control is how I function on the job market, and to 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 address that prejudice that exists, two things need to happen. One, on the side of industry, it's important to recognize that we've never seen this happen before. We've never seen this many educated people who didn't get into it for the money, like you mentioned before, who are now looking for a job, right? Like we need to kind of like put aside that prejudice. Like there's a different kind of academic, there's a different kind of educator that's hitting the market right now. I never wanted to leave education but here I am leaving education. And then the other side on the, the job seeker side, the thing that we can control is having that dose of humility. 
It's going in and saying, you know what, just because I have a PhD or just because I taught all these years does not mean that I'm the de facto expert in this room. Um, like you, you need to understand that you have a very particular language and it's, you cannot expect industry to speak academic language. That's, that's where that prejudice comes in. That's where, that's why people think that academics are elitist um, or arrogant is because of, because of the lack of communication. Yeah. And I think those are two really good points. Um, especially that idea about just because you have education doesn't mean that you are the best candidate for that position. So I left being a principal in the middle of the pandemic in June of 2020, you know, I finished the school year and then I did the consulting thing full-time and moved into that coaching principles, things like that. And by making that transition, you know, I talked to a lot of people who said, you know, I don't know how much longer I can last in education. I need to start looking for something else. I need to look for the next step. And I'm amazed at how many people have said, you know, I'm ready to leave education and I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. This has shown me that I, that I don't want to keep going down this path. And, and so they have this idea that, you know, I've been a principal for 20 years or something. And so I should be highly, highly employable by somebody else. And they're, they're missing something that, that that experience doesn't always translate into being a good candidate for a job. And so you're talking mostly about higher education, but I think that it applies to those of us in, in uh, K-12 education as well, that, that they're the same kinds of things exist. So how do you overcome those or how do you help sell yourself in a way that says, here's why I'm the best candidate based on my zero experience in industry, but lots of experience in education? I think that, that and I, I 100% agree with you that um, I, I easily conflate higher education with education now. And, and I'm, I'm learning like now that I work for an ed tech company that focuses on, on K-12 yeah. districts, <laughs> I'm learning how to shape that language. But I think that you're right. That, that is what is applicable for one is applicable for the other. Um, and I think that the key word that you used in your question was the word translate. That's what we have to do. We, we have to translate value. Academics know that industry is valuable. I mean, there's a lot of numbers there to prove it. There's, there's, there's stuff there. Industry knows and understands that academics have value. They just don't get it. They just don't understand what that value is. And that's because people in education value the different things than industry does. And here's what I mean by that. We'll go back to the academic example because that's what I do, right? Academia um, or did. Um, I spend hours and, and days and, and months on a project, try to get a publication or whatever it is. Um, the only thing that matters um, when I go to apply for a job is did all of that work result in publication? And if it didn't, then it is not valued at all in my sphere, right? I go into industry I can show you five, five different publications and they're going to be like, wow, that's pretty dumb. I don't really care. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Um, But what they do value is all of the things that you had to do to get that. Like that's where your work ethic comes in. That's where you understand process. Every, every educator out there is their own. um, They're, they're self-employed. Like they have to worry about their own, uh, promotional services that they have to do. They have to promote their own work. Uh, they have to create their own lesson plans or content creators. 
what what educators need to do and when they're going into industry is talk with people who are in industry and then describe then say hey Jethro you're in industry this is what I do how would you describe what I do in your workplace you need to understand what their jargon is so that you can then use it and describe yourself like is you need to understand go into it understanding that there is value what we don't get is what that value means and that's what we need to translate. That's what we need to say using the language in which we are entering. Don't expect industry to learn academic value. Apply academic value to industry language. Yeah, I really like how you said that. And that that impa- that should empower everybody who's listening to feel confident that they can bring value. And so, you know, for example, as a principal, I spent a lot of time talking with kids who were in trouble. Okay. So that's, that was a big part of my job. And so one of the things where I would translate that into value is that I know how to communicate and get to the truth of what is really bothering somebody that is going to be really valuable in a leadership position in industry is I can figure out when somebody's struggling, what they're struggling with and how that helped them overcome their struggle. Because to be honest, that was like 90% of my job as a principal And 98% of my job in working with students was helping kids identify what the problem was and how to overcome it. And so, you know, going into any other industry, then I can bring that value very easily. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer, a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval, one book that says Stop Talking and Start Doing with Regard to Teacher Well-Being, and much more. These books used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. What are some other things that we could translate that value other ways we could translate that value that we have. I think that's a great example of like those interpersonal communication skills. I think that a lot of those soft skills are the things that we can highlight coming from education and going into industry positions. Um, Understanding that if you're an industry person, right. And you just want somebody to sit at a computer and enter in information, hiring someone from education is not the way to go. And the reason for that is because they they're driven to with, the, with these interpersonal communication skills. And so being able to articulate those things in a way that makes sense to whatever atmosphere you're entering. For me, like how that worked for me, like I, I mean, critical thinking is one of the most important things that we have, especially like my, my background of rhetoric and communication, right? Is being able to think about things. What does that actually mean? That means asking questions. And that's how I was able to talk about it in the interview that I got that I was able to land, right? It's like, it's like, well, how do you do this? Like, well, you know, I go in and I ask questions, like with a sincere desire to learn something. And I think that that 
sincere desire to learn something is one of the best qualities that an educator has if they have that ability to learn. I mean, not everybody that can teach can learn. And I think that's important to understand. But I mean, one of the questions that was asked me in my interview was, you don't know how to do something. How do you go about learning to do that? And I was able to talk about my passion for learning because I think that's what we we need to recognize is that passion. And that passion for learning also is a really powerful thing that the, the not everybody really has. It's it, it is unique in that if you really want to learn something, you know, for example, I was watching um, football last night and they were describing one of the coaches and they said, this guy is a thinker. When he gets a new something, he reads the whole entire owner's manual before he, before he does anything with it. And how many people like have that, that desire to read through a whole entire owner's manual before they even flip the thing on? I know that I'm certainly not that way, but that is a quality that that person had where you would think that that doesn't really seem like something that is applicable to a job. But, you know, think about the things that you have about yourself that are that are unique to you and find a way to translate that. And, you know, my father-in-law is that way. And I always thought my father-in-law was weird because of that. And now I'm like, oh, here's somebody who's saying (laughs) this about somebody else. And they are saying that this is a positive thing. That's really interesting. And just opening your eyes to seeing value in places where you didn't think that uh, you'd be able to see it. Yeah. And, and honestly, I think that that's, that's paid off already in the position that I've been in. I've only been there for, um, I'm going in on to, to two, three months now. And I, and I've received that feedback of like, wow, like, like we want Eric at this meeting. Like here's a meeting that we were having that had nothing to do with this person but we see the types of questions that he was asking during his onboarding experience. We want him involved in this conversation. And it turned up and I was like, okay. So I did my thing. I was like, all right, I'm going to prepare for this meeting. I'm going to do my research. I'm going to do that, figure out what I want to say. Um, I shared my thoughts. And then the person who was heading up the meeting said, oh, this is fantastic. Can you lead the meeting? And this was like my, my, my third week. Then I'm at the, and, and I was like, you know, like I was, unreasonably intimidated because I've been teaching forever now. If you can express an insightful perspective because of your academic background, and you can do it in a way that comes from a place of humility and not projecting an ego, people will want to listen to you. People want that perspective. I remember reading a couple of years ago, there was a story of a guy he wanted to make a million dollars after getting a doctorate degree in philosophy. It's like, you know, what are you, you going to do with that? How are you going to do that? So what he did is he started his a consulting business in Silicon Valley that basically said, I'm a philosopher for hire. I'll come in your boardrooms and I'll sit in your meetings and I'll just, I'll be intentionally contradictory because people get into a certain method of thinking. They get into a certain style of thinking. They, that, that whole cultural fit, right? is also a cultural way of thinking about something. You don't necessarily want to be a perfect fit. You want to bring in a different perspective. Um, and so, so being able to, to tap that experience that you have um, in a way that brings insight. You know, I had someone give me some really good advice one time, and they said that you should go find someone and ask that person to tell you what other people think about you. Because if you if you go ask everybody, what do you think about me? 
what are people going to say? You're great. We love you. You're wonderful. Um, but if you go ask somebody else to say, what do other people think about me? Then you can get their perspective on what it is about you that really stands out. And those things can then be translated into the value that you bring. So for example, I asked a former supervisor who was in the same district as me, but wasn't over me in any capacity. I said, what is it that people think about me? And he said, well, um, here, here, are the, here are two things. And I'm going to choose the negative examples um, because I think that, the, that they are illustrative of, of the point I'm trying to make. He said, one, people think that you're arrogant and that you always have an answer. And two, that you, you're always the first one to speak up about something. And so as I heard that, I, I took that to heart and said, okay, that hurts, first of all. So let me get over that. <laughs> and, and second of all, what does that actually mean? How is that? How can that be considered a positive thing? And so in a later interview that I ended up getting the job with, they said, well, how, how are you going to be able to like make the changes that we need to make? And I was able to say, I'm very assertive and I know what I want. And I know what I believe. And so it's easy for me to push an agenda or push a belief that other people may not find uh, appealing at first glance. But when I know it's the right thing, I'm really, I'm really comfortable doing that. And so that, that arrogance turned into assertiveness and made it so that I could reshape my weakness into being something that was a positive thing where I was successful in getting that job. They, they, that's exactly who they were looking for. The school was stagnant. They needed somebody to push them forward and they, they were excited to have somebody who could do that. And it was one of the things that they said was what got me the job was being able to do that. So when you can get perspective from somebody else, and hopefully they'll give you positive things and not just negative things, <laughs> but when you can get that perspective from somebody else, then you can think about what that value looks like in a different environment. And that can be really powerful. So tell us, Eric, about how how higher higher ed is is working now, what it is that people can do if they're looking to leave education and get some some support. How do they how do they connect with you and reach out to you? Yeah, so I, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Um, that's where I've really established my presence. I feel like it's just in general, a more positive place to be. I, I don't think I could have done what I did on another social media platform. And so I'm really, um, I really am a fan of LinkedIn. So please reach out to me. I think it's just Eric J. Stevens, whatever prefaces are involved there. If you go to higherhighered.org or changehighered.org, you'll land on the same page. Um, but every Wednesday we do, um, or I do a, um, a live panel series. Um, they're starting back up on the 20th, um, where every other week we're like, kind of like what I've been doing, just bringing in three or four different experts to talk about just different things about higher education and what we can do to, to change it and ways that we can leave education and enter industry. Um, and then on the other weeks, I'm, I'm excited. I'm doing a new, I call it my higher, higher ed job seeker feature. I'm really excited about that, how it sounds. Um, That's great. But basic, yeah, thanks. I've, I'm inviting, because I just met a whole bunch of career coaches, just great people. Um, so I'm inviting a career coach to be a, a co-host um, and a, an active job seeker to come out and just to, um, like they'll work together beforehand. We'll advertise the coach's services. We'll put out the resume of the um, of the job candidate and kind of like be able to have them, I'll, I'll host a discussion between the two of them 
um, about what they were able to do to translate their value from academia to industry or education to industry. I'm really excited about those. There, there was immediate interest. Um, I have, I have events planned out through June already, and um, it's been pretty exciting to be able to be a part of it. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. So changehighered.org. And even if you're not in higher education, I, I wanted to bring Eric on because I think that this this is going to be beneficial for K-12 as well as higher education. Yeah, so absolutely. If you have an opportunity, go check that out, changehighered.org. And uh, thank you, Eric, for being part of Transformative Principles. Great chatting with you. Today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you to our valued partner, John Cat Educational. If you are a leader looking to make transformative change by providing yourself and your leaders and teachers with professional development that is research-based and rigorous, yet easy to digest and full of practical strategies, check out the latest publications from John Cat. Visit us.johncatbookshop.com to find information on bulk orders or learn much more in our show notes. You can also use the code TRANSFORMATIVE to save a bundle at us.johncatbookshop.com. Hey, middle school principals. What if I told you that all your teachers had to do to teach your students really valuable social and emotional competencies was just press play? In Control SEL is a fully automated video curriculum that teachers and students absolutely love. And that's because it's easy. And it looks just like a Netflix or a YouTube show. So all you have to do to hear about how it can completely transform your school is schedule your call. Tell us Jethro sent you and you'll get 20% off if you feel like it's a good fit. So go now to www.incontrolsel.com slash strategy call to schedule your call today. The link will be in the show notes. Do you want to simplify your school's technology? save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.